Hello, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Get Geek Podcast. This week, we're going to do a little bit more video gaming discussion, and we're going to talk a little bit about of some of our favorite video game story endings of all time. Before we get to any of that, though, let's introduce the crew. I'm Jose. This is Wolfie. AJ. Elar. And bringing up the rear, it's Walt. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go, guys. I'm excited. So before we get to anything regarding any of the content of this week's podcast, we're going to do our two disclaimers that we normally do. Uh, we want to thank all of our fans for listening, and we want to thank you for dealing with any type of sound artifacts or issues that you hear. We have been recording remotely to try to stay responsible and make sure that everybody stays safe. So the sound quality is going to suffer a little bit. We're still working on it. We're trying to get some better equipment to see if we can improve upon it. So please bear with us. And if there are any sound issues, free, feel free to let us know. Um, but thank you for listening anyway, if there's any kind of artifacts or issues that you guys are hearing. And once again, the best way to support your favorite podcast, the Get Geek Crew, is to like, rate, share, and subscribe. You can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever all of your favorite podcasts are sold. And again, you guys engaging us on social media or like, rate, sharing, and subscribing us on those platforms is the best way to support us. Let everybody know how much you enjoy our podcast. Uh, so uh, one more, actually, quick announcement. Uh, or two quick announcements, I should say, before we get to the meat of the podcast. Uh, Wolfie, I'm going to throw it over to you to let everyone know what's going on with our giveaways. All right. So um, we have our winner for uh, this past giveaway, which is for the I Am Iron Man um, Funko Pop, which is a super dope Funko Pop. I kind of wish I entered into the giveaway for myself. I don't know if I could have given it away to myself, <laughs> but I, I, I kind of regret not picking it up. I might have to search online to pick up my own, but the winner of, uh, this, uh, giveaway is Emilio Rodriguez, who is a fan all the way from Australia. So yeah. Emilio, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for, um, you know, following us and spreading news and entering the contest and winning. Congratulations, bud. Nice. Congratulations, Emilio. Thank you for following us. Uh, we hope you enjoy so, the Funko Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we also have... Did Actually, did I miss something? Did we already mention the uh, upcoming giveaway? We did not. We did not. So we that have another know. giveaway coming up uh, this... Uh, this week so if you guys want to find out more about the giveaway it is going to be celebrating a little bit of a milestone but uh if you want to find out a little bit more about the uh, giveaway just follow us make sure you guys are following us and make sure that you're telling everybody about us on instagram um facebook and anywhere that you can find us uh that'll be get geek podcast at get geek podcast so follow us and uh just pay attention and you'll see you'll see the details for the giveaway coming up i believe we're going to be posting that on wednesday so um, mm-hmm. by the time you hear this podcast, you should be kind of setting the, uh, setting the clock for that Wednesday <laughs> post. All right. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think we're ready to go, ready to get started with, uh, our little discussion here. Yeah. Uh, Walt, let's get into it. Yes. Yes. Favorite right. video game endings of all time. Tell us, Walt. Well, um, every game has a start. 
every game has an ending, right? And so um, it was a difficult decision for me, but simple at the same time because uh, as these guys know, and probably you will know now, for me, it's difficult for me to start a game and finish it. You know, I have a lot of things going on in my life, work, <laughs> one of them, family being one of them. So there's very few games that I actually get a chance to finish. Um, but there are some. Knights of the Old Republic being one of them. Uh, That's finished. a very old example. You got to give us yeah, some more well, ones. <laughs> I, think, I think the reason why I'm going older is because back then I had a little bit more time <laughs> to be quite frank. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to go into the time capsule a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to nominate for myself a 2005 game that came out for the PlayStation 2, and that would be Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Um, that that particular video game is actually regarded as one of the best video games to come out for the PlayStation, and maybe of all time if, if you know, you're so inclined to believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing was developed by SCE Japan Studio and Team Ico and was published by Sony uh, computer entertainment for the PlayStation 2. And the interesting thing about that game is that there's not a lot of dialogue. Now, it's not a very long game. I think mm-hmm. if you speed run it, you could probably get it done within like 15 to 20 hours, maybe even less. If, not you know, even. Really... I've gotten I've gotten through the first few bosses. I, I just picked it up again. I've gotten through the first few bosses in less than 45 minutes, like four or five yeah. bosses. Yeah, you can uh-huh. you can literally do it. So I originally bought this when um when I had it on PlayStation Two, and I I didn't get very far with it, believe it or not. But mm. when I bought my PS4 Pro, um, there was a remaster that was that came out not too long ago, and that kind of piqued my interest. And you know the graphics they the remastered version, the graphics are amazing. You can't tell that this is like almost a 15-year-old game, the way that they Mm -hmm. set it up. And they did change some of the controls to it um, to make it a little bit more friendly for, you know, these new systems. Mm -hmm. But um, like I said, there's not a lot of dialogue, and the dialogue that there is is an invented language. So you're not going to be able to understand it unless you're reading the subtitles. And again, it's a very minimalist game. Um, It's a game that occurs in what's called the forbidden land and um it's really and and i don't want to say it in this way because it kind of denigrates the game but it's really a series of 16 bosses that you fight and that's it you know you you wander through the land looking for these bosses now there is a story and as you progress you get you know, little tidbits here and there, and it gets deeper and deeper into the story. So just to give you a quick overview, the game, um, the protagonist of the game is this 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 kid, this boy, this man. His name is Wander. And we don't know a lot about him, but we do see at the very beginning that there is um, a dead woman there. Um, her name is Mano, oddly enough. And so she's dead. And he, we get a little backstory from this guy named Lord Emin. And it's very, very minimal. Again, the the game is very, very minimal. 
But what what happened? What, what's occurring is that Wander is so distraught by her death that he goes to this forbidden land. Now this is kind of like closed off from the rest of the world, and it's protected by Lord Emin and his group because they want to keep something there. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But he goes into this forbidden shrine. It's called the Shrine of Worship. And there's an entity there called Dormin. And the entity, he makes a deal with this entity. And he says, you know, um, I want to bring her back to life. And Dormin says, I have the power to do that. But in order to do that, you have to, develop, to defeat the 16 colossi that occupy this forbidden land. And once you do that, I'll grant your wish and I'll, I'll resurrect her and bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be an easy path because these colossus, these, these colossi, they are spectacular. And if, if you're playing the game, the sense of scale that you get from these, these beings, these monsters is amazing. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's the thing that really I really enjoyed about that game because, like you said, it's really sparse. But the way that they design the boss battles is probably they're probably I'll put it this way. Um, overall, that game probably has the best boss battles of any game that I've ever played because they can they're be super cool. frustrating. They can be just the way that they set them up. You know, like, like that, every boss is good quality. And yeah, that final boss that, that you get to. Um, he, first of all, he's ginormous, right? Uh-huh. You have to climb him, and and literally that that fight could last you. Like for me, it lasted me over thirty minutes because every mm-hmm. time I climbed up, there's a point that you have to get to his back, stab him, and then jump to the palm of his hand. You don't understand how many times I fell from that. You know, mm-hmm. I I must have fallen at least six or seven times just trying to make that one jump. And then after that, you have to you have to run up his arm. You have to kill his bicep. You got to jump onto his next hand. Then you got to shoot him in the shoulder. Then you got to climb up to. I mean, you know, the mechanics of it is is just amazing, and it can get super frustrated if you're not invested in the game. But mm-hmm. fortunately, by the time that you get to that, you know, you you start to get a lot of a big sense of what what's going on because especially after the eighth colossi, you start to see that something's going on. And by the 12th Colossi, Colossus, um, you get to see Lord Amon and his group again, and they are rushing to get to the Shrine of Worship. And so that sets up the ending. And so, spoiler alert, and mm-hmm. this is going to be this is going to be spoiler alert for the entire episode because we are going to be spoiling endings. That's kind of the purpose of this episode. We're talking oh, about our before everyone now, <laughs> just right. in so, case somebody didn't get the memo. Yeah, if you right. didn't know, now you know, right? Spoilers. Spoilers. So after you defeat this, the 16th Colossus, which, again, is an incredible battle, you know, um, and, and it's super fun, but it could be super frustrating. <laughs> and this is the one time that the camera angles in, in the game kind of ticked me off a little bit because there were times yeah. that I was trying to get to a certain point and the camera angle would shift right mm-hmm. at that point and it's like you know you're holding on for dear life and similar to the breath of the wild yeah. you have a, a grip meter so it's important yeah. that you get to where you need to go very quickly right mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah, somewhere to stand yeah but 
with all the other 15 Colossi, what happens is when you defeat the purpose, the, the Colossus, um, the spirit and the shadow of the Colossus, which is hence the name, would kind of like, you know, strike you down and transport you back to the shrine of worship. Like they kind of enter um, your body in that moment. They all kind of right, rush exactly. your body. I even tried to run away a couple of times. It doesn't work. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't do it because <laughs> because it's just it's gonna happen no matter what. Right. So you have shadows of these monsters entering you for the entire game. Right. Mm-hmm. So okay. it it doesn't happen right away when you defeat the last Colossus. Okay. Mm-hmm. You you're shown your body is shown on the ground and you, you know you're you're just it almost looks like you're lifeless. Um, but it does eventually happen, and you get transported. And again, similar to all the other animations, when you get transported to the Shrine of Worship, you're on the ground, and you're surrounded by the shadow of the Colossus, the Colossi that you've defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens here is that after defeating the 16th Colossus, there is a significant change in Wander. He's now pale. Um, his eyes, he looks like he's possessed and he's grown many horns on his head. Indeed. And at this point, you know, Lord Emmon and his, his group, um, they're similar to kind of like the Magi from the mummy films who they're there to protect the, the, you know, the sacred land and make sure that this unspeakable evil doesn't, you know, leave. I'm an actor. I'm an Exactly. Um, <laughs> And so Lord Shot, the Lord Lord Emmons sees that this guy is quote unquote possessed and he orders his men to kill him, which they do. But the problem is he's already possessed by the spirit of Dorman. And so what what it is is that Dorman was not truly trying to help Wander. Um, he was trying to escape the prison that that group, Lord Edmund's group, had put him in. The Colossus were actually spiritual pieces of Dorman that were trapped in the bodies of these huge monsters. And as they were released, he grew more and more powerful. And then once that 16th Colossus was defeated, all the pieces are there for him to be resurrected, which does happen. Um, The ending of the movie is, the ending of the video game is almost 20 minutes long. Okay. Okay. Part of it is cutscene. You do have a, an instance where you do become the, the great and powerful doorman where you try and destroy the group. But at the very end, what? oh, and I have to say one thing beforehand. Um, accompanying you throughout the entire video game, this is important, accompanying you throughout the entire video game is a horse named Argo. Hey. And it's funny because you kind of develop an emotional attachment to the horse. And they give you a gut punch right before the 16th Colossi because something happens to the horse, which was totally unexpected. And he, he basically falls to his death trying to get you to the shrine of the 16th Colossi. Damn. Um, so you have that gun punch there. Then you realize at the very end that, you know, the whole reason that you're doing this maybe is not what's... You know, you were basically tricked into doing this by this entity, Dorma, Dorman. Mm-hmm. Um, what does eventually happen is that um, 
Lord Emmons' group do find a way to defeat him, and they they kind of entrap him in the shrine again. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that as he's being pulled into this water where, you know, they did this cast, this incantation, you see the spirits of all the shadow, all the shadows being ripped away from Wander. And the thing about it is that he's reaching out for the girl, Mano. And you can see that everything that he did at that moment, while he was duped in doing it, there was still a part of him embedded within that creature that mm-hmm. still loved this girl that he was trying mm-hmm. to save so desperately. Um, the good thing is, is that at the very end, you know, he gets dusted away and he gets pulled in, sucked down into this thing and he's trapped and stuff. But Mano does wake up. But the problem is, the reason that she woke up, which is Wanda, he's no longer there. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we do get kind of a reprieve because Argo miraculously somehow survives a 200-foot drop off a cliff, and he does come hurt, <laughs> limping, but at least you get that reprieve. Yeah. And that's where the game ends. Now, like there's a mid enters the chamber a where, where Mono is. Oh, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry? He enters the chamber where Mono has been resurrected? Yeah, that's where it okay. ends. It, okay. okay. But there is a mid credit scene. And we do see that Emin shuts down access to this forbidden land completely. It's mm-hmm. now cut off from the entire world. If, if it wasn't before, it is now. And so there's, those two are stuck there, Mono and... Um, the horse Argo, but as they walk to the pool, something possesses the, the horse to walk over there, and the pool where Wander is taken, they find a baby with horns on it, um, which is kind of ambiguous and stuff, but she picks up the, the child, you know, she cradles it in the hand, and they walk to the top of the, the shrine, and when they get to the top, it's like there's paradise there. There's animals there. There's there's a, a baby deer. You know, everything that they need to survive in that environment is there, as opposed to the rest of the land, which is barren. Um, there's a lot of there's deserts. There's plains. There is a forest, but it, it doesn't seem like the most welcoming of forests. And the reason why I nominated this as as one of my favorite game endings hold, is hold because on. before you before oh, okay. you continue, we got to mention mm-hmm. something very quickly. That that ending isn't as ambiguous as you think, because no, no, I know it actually it uh, connects to something else. You're you're yes, aware it's of a, correct? It's a spiritual prequel to another game. Okay. So you know, yeah, I, I'm aware of that. And and so what Jose is talking about is that. There is another game that came out by the exact same publisher and developer, um, which is Ico. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, again, is another game that's considered one of the best of all time. And that game does feature a child with horns. So mm-hmm. the implication there, you know, is that this child is the one that came out of Shadow of Colossus. When it first came out, it was kind of ambiguous. But now that, you know, we've, we're here 15 years later... We can see the connection there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, the, the reason that I, I find it to be one of the, you know, one of my favorite endings is because, first of all, the soundtrack to this game is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Just like Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it is just amazing. And so, you know, that just enhances everything there. And like I said, it's, it's a very simple story, but there's so much emotion attached to it. And, and you know, you, you see the reason why Wander does this. And he was duped because of the love of this girl so so much. And he was taken advantage of. And so there's, you know, that kind of like a gut punch where it's like, you know, he's he's undergone this huge undertaking of killing these 16 behemoths, these monsters. And at the end of the day, it was for nothing because, you know, he he doesn't gain, he doesn't get the um, the reward that he was looking for. So, you know. It's that, like not that's a why ending. I thought that this, this game is just amazing. And, you know, um, this, to me, this easily, I was, ta- I was talking to this with um, Eli, this easily could be and should be either a series of films and stuff like that. That's how good this, this, the story is. And the thing about it is that the story is so minimalist because there is almost no dialogue. It's There's told, almost no characters. It's just the yeah, exactly. the the two main characters, the horse, and the the bad guy and like the group that yeah, that's don't it. really speak that much throughout the game. All you do is ride and, around on your horse. There's no there's me, no mini bosses or mini bad guys. It's just bosses. Yeah, and to me that's a testament to how well this this game is done. And like I said, you didn't get a sense of of what was going on until like maybe the middle of the the thing. But by the by the time you get to ending, you're so invested, and then that ending happens, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that. You know, we did all of that, and it was, it was, you know, the guy was tricked into doing this just so that this big evil would try and escape and get out into the world. So, you know, um, I, well, I, I got a question. An amazing ending. I got a question. You, you, you've mentioned the soundtrack quite often. It is something that I've heard over the years about the, uh, um, about this game, and and you know, I love video game soundtrack, movie soundtracks, and 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 whatnot, and. My, I'm reinvigorated to want to play this game now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have never to. got around, never got around to it, but now I totally do want to. Especially since there is the remaster. Hopefully, I can find it on PC. I believe it's. I, I think there is a PC version. No, I believe so. Yeah, I believe right. that that's the case. Actually, I'll check for cool. you right now. Will you go? Will you go? Right. And, well, so the play. question I have is, um, uh, I think you rated it. it uh, did you correct me if I'm wrong? But did you say that it's your favorite video game soundtrack? Of all time, or um, it's it's hard for me to say that because there are so many out there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I easily think that it's it's the way the way that they mesh the music in with the story and all the thing. Like there are there are literally music cues when things are happening that alert you to the fact that you need to do something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like when you're fighting the Colossi, um, for, this is a perfect example. There's a Colossi that that kind of, it's in the desert, but it, it emerges from the desert and it kind of flies around, right? And what you have to do is you have to race around with the horse and shoot arrows at some sacks that are underneath it. So, you know, you have this, this kind of, it's almost like a calming thing, Right. But once you hit all three of the sacks to bring the Colossi down, the music changes to reflect the fact that this is now your go time. You got to go after this guy. Yeah, I love that. I love when stuff like that happens. I love when they give you uh, musical cues as opposed to like heads up cues Mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, anything like that. Like when when you have 
the 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 music dictate or kind of cue you up to like what action you're supposed to take. I think that's very very immersive. Yeah, it is. And like I said, it it does well for uh, a game that is as minimalistic as this game is. You know what I'm saying? It's it's one of those things where it's like there's hardly any dialogue. You know, there are, like Jose said, there are hardly any characters. There are definitely not any bad guys. You're just dealing with 16 huge, ginormous monsters, and that's it. But yet, at the same time, you feel like, you know, this game is full of life and there's so much to do when really there's not. And not to diminish the game, but it's it's thoroughly enjoyable doing this. And the animations is fantastic. You know, the horse which doesn't do anything but get you around to place to place. But at, by the end of the game, you're invested with this horse that has gone along with you through this journey. And that's what makes it so shocking what happens right before you fight that final Colossus. You know what I'm saying? Uh, an interesting small point is that I've been playing the remaster. I haven't finished it yet, but I definitely want to finish it. I actually was spoiled of the ending before you mentioned it today, which is why I didn't cover my ears up, which I, I didn't do any earmuffs. But um, something that's interesting, and well, I'll mention this. I'm playing The Last of Us 2. There's horses in that game, but the way that they animate the horses in Shadow of the Colossus is to me the absolute best I've ever seen in terms of the animation for that particular animal in a video mm-hmm. game. I've never seen anything like it. Even The Last of Us 2, which just came out, incredible graphics, incredible animation. The horses in that game do not animate as beautifully as they do in Shadow of the Colossus. And that's definitely intentional. That's definitely to make you like really connect to Argo, I think. And, and just kind of like an inside baseball type of thing, the creator of, of Shadow of Colossus, um, he he was really, really hardcore with the development of the game. Mm-hmm. And it was very important for him to have these type of this this type of realism in in the thing. And my understanding is that um, you know the 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 game developers actually kind of hated him because he was he was kind of one of these guys where he thought maybe one or two of the guys on his staff was actually you know worth a damn. <laughs> So to speak, and, okay. and and he was he was very very instrumental in in making sure that everything fit perfectly. I, I guess you could say he's a perfectionist, and and it shows in the final product and stuff. So that's amazing. I'm thoroughly excited to play Shadow of Colossus now. Uh, I, 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 I again, it's one of those things like it's like I got away from video games for a while, and now I'm like we all you know, kind of I don't know. I guess I, I guess I get to like you know, relive or enjoy these, these, these wonderful stories, you know, maybe in a better headspace. So let, let me, let me put it to you this way. It, it is my, um, it, it's my, uh, I, it, let's put it this way. I think that if you're a PlayStation owner, you would be remiss if you don't play this game. This is a game that either you have played somehow or has to be in your collection because that to me is how good this game is you know what it is i think it's because it came out during like i mean i i am still more of an xbox guy than i'm a playstation guy so that's i agree maybe what happened it didn't come out for xbox though no no, no. It, was, it was done by sony 
Well, oh, I just that's looked right. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. There is not a PC version either. Oh, so you got to okay. go for the PlayStation version. But the oh, PlayStation 4 yeah. remaster has beautiful graphics, like yeah, Walt said. Yeah. No, I'm totally in I think that's probably, I think that's why I didn't. I'm sorry, what was that? You can't tell that this is a 15 year old game. I, I guarantee you, you look at this and you think it's a next gen game. That's how good it is. I played both recently and I see the huge difference because I played the, the original very quickly on PS Now just to see what it looked like. And mm-hmm. I have the remaster. I own the remaster. And the difference is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. This game has made me, I've never played Ico. This game has made me excited to go and dive into that because Ico is another game that I've heard is, is just completely amazing. And I've never played it for whatever reason. I think, well, I, I know what the reason is. I've never finished um, Shadow of Colossus until just recently. So, um, you know, but definitely because of me ending the game and that ending, it just piques my interest um, in terms of what Echo is, Echo's, Ico is going to give me with that. And like I said, it's on a lot of top 10 lists all around, so it's not like I'm wasting my time either. Echo the Dolphin is a dope game too, now that you mentioned yeah. Echo. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> That was that's what awesome was game. that? Sega Dreamcast, right? Genesis. That's Genesis, Gen- dude. It goes back to Genesis. Wow. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. So All right. I'm going to drop the next one off to AJ because AJ is chomping at the bit. He really wants to get into this. So AJ, take it away. All right. Go ahead. You know, <clears throat> I was originally going to do crackdown but as i thought more and more nanda <laughs> you changed <laughs> oh there you go there we go but the more i started hearing about little people climbing onto big people <laughs> taking down impossible odds and fighting <laughs> near omnipotent deities that just took me back to god of war 3 Oh, all right. That's two PlayStation games so far, gentlemen. Yes. So (laughs) just to preface, the whole God of War series, if you haven't played it by now, I'd be surprised if you didn't. But hey, maybe it's not your thing. I'll just recap it anyway. Okay, I'll just get into it. (laughs) Um, The whole God of War series is about this guy named Kratos. He used to be in the Spartan army. He was like a general. And then he lost a battle against some barbarians. So he goes and asks the Greek god Ares, help me fight them. And he says, okay, sure, here are some blades. And then what he does is, all right, so you're a a very, very powerful warrior. You're pretty good. But, you know, that family of yours, they're kind of holding you back. Do you mind if we cut ties and he's just Kratos obviously doesn't want to do that but Ares is like "Eh, no you should do that and so he literally cuts ties with them by cutting them apart Mm -hmm. and so the whole game is him trying to kill the Olympian gods because they've wronged him so it starts off with Ares and God of War 1 that's all well and good he gets his revenge But then Zeus comes down and says, you know, killing a god is a bad look on us, so I kind of have to take it out on you. By the way, you're my son. And he kills him. Boy. And so the rest of God of War 2 
is getting out of the underworld, facing his demons, and basically telling the fates to go screw themselves. Okay. The third game, which is the one I'm talking about now, mm-hmm. sees him taking the Titans, the proto-gods who fought the Olympians all way back when. When he was in hell, or the underworld, he visited them. And so he said, hey, you know, I hate these gods too. You know, you should talk about a regime regime change. And they're like, you know what? You're right. But how are we going to do that? Well, I could get you out of here. And so he does. And so what he does is he leads them, or they lead him. It's a little, if you play the game, you know what I'm talking about. They go and start storming Mount Olympus in all of its glory, and you have a series of wonderful, <coughs> awesome fight scenes. And it's basically him, where he didn't, what he didn't finish in the first two games, you're sure as hell he finished in this game. Okay. Because by the time he's done, every single one of those gods is dead. So, Kills the whole what I love the most... <laughs> about God of War 3's ending was kind of the the catharsis you get behind his fighting Zeus because everything up until 2 has been leading, just spiraling up to Zeus because he's kind of been... I don't want to say he's been like the, the villain since the first game, but mm. in God of War 3 you're told that because of what happened in God of War 1, this kind of made him... How do I say it? It kind of... Dang it. It kind of fueled him to to hate Kratos because one of the things that happens in the first game is that he has to open Pandora's box to fight Ares. What happens with that is that he let... In order to get the power, he had to let a jack ton of crap bad crap out into the world and it basically infected the gods and made them more cruel and callous and that's part of the reason why he killed him in two despite that you know kratos being who he is throwing his deity slaying temper tantrums he still doesn't care he's gotta he's gotta do the do but just the way he kills this guy so he he tries to kill Zeus with the Blade of Olympus, the only thing that can actually kill a god, as we're told. Doesn't take. He comes back as like a weird phantom, and it goes into this whole sequence where Kratos is living out all of his mistakes, everything that has brought him to this point. And it's a sequence where he finds that he's reconciling his past with himself, because despite the fact that he was a family man, he wasn't a perfect person. And so it kind of just, it kind of starts wrapping everything up. And by, pro- and by doing that, he gains not a new power, because we're told that throughout this sequence, it wasn't the fact that Kratos, because everyone operated under the assumption that when he opened Pandora's box, he was using all the evil in the box. Lo and behold, that was not what he was using. He was actually using hope. And it was when 
he was losing hope in killing Zeus in the final sequences of the game. That hope pulled him back and basically helped him, again, reconcile with his past and activate the power he used to kill Ares. And so he activates the power. All his weapons are trashed, mind you. He walks up to Zeus. He punches the phantom back into Zeus's body, more or less. It tries getting out, but it doesn't allow it to get out. And then he starts punching the god to death, his father to death, with his bare fists. And it gets to the point where you have to repeatedly spam the buttons for punching. And it gets to the point where you can't even see what's on the screen because the whole entire screen, I kid you not, is a giant red blotch. And you could do it for as long as you want. I I remember once I did it for like an hour. (laughs) And so at a certain point, I was like, wow, all right. Interesting. So now I'll stop. And when, you know, he wipes his face, because, you know, his face is, you know, the thing that has all the blood. (laughs) Should we be worried about you beating on a video game character for an hour, bro? (laughs) That's a little scary. (laughs) I wanted to see how far it would go on. And it turns out it can go on for a long time. If you want want to, like, ruin some people's days, we should, like, all hang out when we can see each other again and beat the game and, like, take shifts seeing how long we can beat Zeus to death in this final sequence. Maybe we can break a Guinness World Record. What we should probably do is just sit AJ down in front of the TV and just videotape him beating Zeus to to God. (laughs) You know, kingdom problems. <laughs> He's gonna need I a break, would... man. We could do this for a, we could do this for a while, or maybe we'll share play it so that like you could pass it off to somebody else, and I could do it for four hours. You know, have a couple of drinks, hang out, and like just hit a punch button for like a good four hours. <laughs> yeah. So every every time you land a tenth punch, you 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 take a shot. <laughs> That could be that could be like a Yule log, except it'll be like a Zeus log where we just punching the crap out of Zeus for how many hours? I'm gonna I'm gonna die after like an hour or less if I'm doing a shot every ten punches. It sounds like I'm gonna go into the poisoning. (laughs) Go ahead. So eventually, you stop wailing on this. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say poor guy. He wasn't exactly a peach, but. You kind of feel sorry for how long you beat him, beat on him for, yeah. or can beat on him for, and he's finally dead. Boom, game over. Kratos has won. Woo! Or does he? Boy. Because what happens next is Athena, who is a god that he killed in his rage trying to get at Zeus has kind of been moving him around like a chess piece throughout the whole game because apparently she wants the Blade of Olympus. But for some reason, I don't quite remember what. Or no, no, it's not that she wanted the Blade of Olympus. She wanted hope from Kratos because it was the most powerful thing, the most powerful weapon in the world. So what he ends up deciding to do 
is he ends up deciding to say, screw you, too, because I see that you're using me as a pawn now. And he basically kills himself and lets hope out into the world because by killing the gods, he kind of set off a chain of a mass chain of natural disasters. <laughs> so humanity's feeling pretty hopeless right now. Okay. So in what's probably his most selfless act, he goes and kills himself and release, releases hope out to the world where apparently Athena can't get it for some reason because it's given to the humans by, I guess it was one of those things where he had to give it to her. That's kind of cool. But he did. So. I like that. That's kind and of then, like a symbolic way to give traits and emotions and different things to to the humans. That's kind of something that you see in religion all the time. So that's kind of a nice way to tie that to this game. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of, you get, there's a sequence where, no, it's not that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking of the first game. There was, there was actually a, a bit for bit scene that you see in the first game. And it's kind of like, wow, so everything's really coming for a circle. But, yeah, I I don't know if I'm remembering wrong. But I know it's definitely a sequence that I saw in that game. Okay. Either which way, when the game is fully ended and Athena kind of callously rips the blade of Olympus out of Kratos because she's pissed at him, mm-hmm. you see that his body isn't there anymore. And it's like he's gone off the cliff. Is he alive? Hmm. Play the new God of War game. <laughs> okay. Find out on the next episode of God of War. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so basically what I really liked about that ending was not only how everything came full circle, but it was kind of Kratos' redemption arc. Because hope was not only something that he, uh, that he used to fight. It's actually a character that was embodied in the game. And he ended up growing a strong relationship to this character because it reminded him of his own daughter, who, again, he slayed in a blood craze, he killed in a blood crazed rage. And then seeing that character, because in order for him to get the fire, because, okay, sorry, I need to compose my thoughts here. <laughs> In order for him to take down Olympus, he had to mess up their power source, which is the flame of Olympus. But in order to do that, he needed to get this girl, who we later know is Hope, or the original Pandora. He needs to let her go into the flames and basically sacrifice herself. But he doesn't want that, obviously, because now he sees her as a daughter. And by letting her do it, because she was actually gung-ho at towards the end. Mm-hmm. It kind of, it, it said in, if it wasn't apparent before, you could see how far he's come with how much he's grown as a person. And then, you know, yeah. So that's, that's why I like God of War 3's ending. All right, all right, all right. Who okay. is going to jump in next? Yeah, um, I will. Oh, that was a really long ride, but... (laughs) Sorry. I don't... In order for... I'm the kind of person where I can't just tell you the snapshot of the story. You need to know the context. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, 
I'm gonna get okay. I'm I'm gonna start off with just saying Undertale. Undertale. Um, there's something about that game that really makes you emotional because you grew you grow attached to all of the characters. Um, just like any of the other games that we mentioned today. Um. Okay. Um, Undertale. So what's Undertale about? Yeah, Undertale is about. A, a boy who falls um, into like a volcano, I think. He falls into a volcano. It's not, it's a mountain with a hole. Okay. He falls into a mountain with a hole. Is that, there lava on the bottom? No, no, no lava. Okay. So well, it's it a, doesn't necessarily have to be a, an active volcano. No, that's what I was about to say. It's a volcano, it's an inactive volcano, then I guess, right? Yeah, okay. I think. Um, and he falls into a, uh, the monster world, basically. Mm. I, I'm just going to get into the whole story. It's um, like a portal. Yeah, it's basically a portal. What, what they talk about in the first few scenes is that there was originally a war. And between humans and monsters, humans won. But the monsters were sealed away in that alter, alternate dimension. He falls into that dimension, obviously. And then he's greeted by um, a character, a monster, who looks like a goat a little. Um, Her name is Toriel. And she starts, they start to grow a relationship where it's like she sees him as his son, but he doesn't really even know who she is. So he tries to leave. But she mm-hmm. tries to she tries to warn him that if he leaves, he might not be able to. It's gonna it's gonna be dangerous, and it's gonna be dangerous to try and even survive. So, um, you fight her. She's obviously super emotional, and that's it. You leave. She allows you to leave. Um, you come across a fool um, named Sands. Now, um, if you haven't seen him or heard of him, I'd be surprised, but he is a skeleton with a blue, with a blue coat, a blue jacket, and pink pink uh, rabbit slippers, I think. You know, for, for some reason, I thought he was the main character because every time I see Undertale, I see him. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind is of like a, a cult classic, this game. Yeah, it is, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, I'm trying to remember because this is Sands. a long game. Sans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do, you meet him. I think he, he takes you to like this bar and all and whatever. You start to meet his brother named Papyrus who wants to become a knight of of this kingdom in the monster world. And he mentions um, ever so rarely about... um, He mentions ever so rarely about the king who uh, rules over. You then... I'm just going to move on to the next person. You come across Undyne, I think. Undyne, who is another knight, a top top tier knight who tries to stop you but you become friends with her 
mind you, there are three endings, and three endings depend on each and every decision. So I'm going by the neutral really? ending. Yeah. That's great. Well, oh, but do you know the other endings, though? Yeah. Um, pacifist, oh, where you, pacifist, where you don't kill anybody. Genocide, where you kill anybody you come across. And sure. neutral, where you just... You kind of kill, and then sometimes you don't. It's mm-hmm. it's in the middle. And That's really interesting. I I really want to know all three endings. I I mean, I think I think if you can get through the th- three endings, we should definitely talk about. Th- well, oh, definitely talk <laughs> about your favorite. I'm conflicted. I'm sorry, Eli. I'm conflicted, but definitely talk about your favorite ending. I don't I don't mean to take over your your ending. It's no, your it's ending. Not. Talk about your favorite one. Yeah. Um, Wolfie's excited though. Yeah. You made it. I, I is. <laughs> I is excited. <laughs> I heard this game is really hard, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Beyond beyond that, tell us a little more, Eli. Um, right, Undyne, you fight her, and then for some reason, I think she chases you, and you run away, and you manage to escape. You then come across the next person, whose name is Doctor Alfie, I believe, and he's a scientist who creates, like, really weird stuff. And there was this one invention that he made whose name was Metatron, and it's a robot. Um, Interesting. Metatron. I recognize that name. Yeah. yeah. I wonder where I recognize it from. It's Actually. Not- from another podcast, maybe. <laughs> Metatron without PR. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay. So you come across Metaton, not Metatron, Oh, Metaton. it's Metaton. Okay. Metaton. Metatron. Oh, wow. That sorry. changes things then. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got okay. <laughs> um, with some weird encounters, I think the first, I, I don't remember the first time, but the second time, basically, you're in like this weird play, and Metaton just so happens to be the star, and he he's wearing like a prin- princess dress. Actually, that's his second form. I'm I'm looking at a picture AJ is showing me. But that's not his final form. That's not his final form. <laughs> oh, okay. That's yeah. oh my gosh, that's very psychedelic right there. Yeah, <laughs> he's got flashing a flash. What is that? A cape? Those are wings. Those are wings. Oh my god. Actually, okay. I think that's a fan made picture. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, we'll take it back. But um, anyway, continue. That's his first form is basically like um I guess you could say like. Like uh, his um, first a calculator form. with arms what? with arms and like one leg with and the one leg is like a wheel. I am totally not understanding this game now. Yeah, it's He's, very. He looks like a nineteen eighties <laughs> computer on one wheel, a unicycle with a microphone, <laughs> with a microphone and two hands, two arms and hands, and some dials. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very weird. I'm I'm a little lost now. And this guy <laughs> is doing a play? Uh, yeah, he has a dress. And he has a dress, no less. Yeah. A dress, no less. You like dress, that, right? no less, yeah. <laughs> okay. And then Alphys, who is for some reason nervous about you fighting Metaton, um, he tells you how to shut her her him i actually don't know what gender but um you you try and switch it off but it just so happens to be that 
that switch was to turn her into her second form where um <laughs> yeah and so basically <laughs> really confusing to explain this but you're on like this show and then all of a sudden all the fans are calling in once once she's about to die oh all of the fans are calling in and saying how much they missed every like episode or something and I then I am so confused right now. <laughs> yeah, you're on this show. I think it's like a TV recording, but they're, they're starting to call and they start to say like, oh, how could you um, uh, finish off like Metaton and all? You finish her off. Nonetheless. Okay. And this is where things start to get uh, very, very... Uh, I don't I don't know what's the word for it, but corny? No, not oh. corny. No. <laughs> Hello. No. No, Hello. No. Corny's Teen Wolf. Oh. Yeah, Teen Wolf. AJ. Corny is some card in Dragon Ball Legends, I'm sure. At times, I'll no. confess. At times. Not all the time. But anyway, <laughs> I I don't remember like exactly, but you come across the king. You're about to there is there's a barrier between the human world and the monster world, which you need to cross. But in order to do that, you need each, because you're, okay. I missed the most important fact. Um, you have a, a soul. Um, every mo- monster, everybody does. But each, each person has a your main character has a specific soul and that soul is filled with determination. Mm-hmm. And there are other, I think, things. five souls? Yeah, five souls, which the king wants the last soul. I, I think, I don't remember why. Sorry. But he wants your last soul. And you can't let him have it. But you also need that soul in order to cross and break the barrier. So in neutral ending and in genocide ending, you have to kill him. It Genocide ending, it's an immediate kill. In neutral ending, you have to go through a series like of different... different uh, it, it, you have to go through the boss fight, in other words. Okay. Um... <clears throat> Okay, so once you beat him, you beat him. And there we go. Then, the... Oh, I messed up. Sorry, there are so many things going on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it sounds like a super complicated game because, I mean, for God's sake, there's a, there's a TV that walks around on a unicycle, so... And he's actually a character, so... Um, it's, um, it's way crazy. Ah. That's that's what I, um okay um I forgot to mention this at first but in the beginning there is this flower that welcomes you into this world before Torio and he tries he seems like he's a good person until he he tells you that each pellet that he shoots is a friendly pellet the infamous flowy flowy yes and he turns into like some monstrous flower face. He looks, his face looks weird and it's scary. 
at the end, you come across him again. And this time, he tells you to save the game. You're supposed to save the game, except the save button has been destroyed. You can't save the game. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> what? It sounds like Metal yep. Gear Solid, where like the video game characters like interfere they, with the video game. They they, <laughs> they break the fourth wall, right? Like, yeah, they kind of break. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, actually. I like yeah. games to do that in a clever way. Yeah, and then he takes all of the souls, not including yours. He wants your the last soul, which is yours, and he becomes into like this Omega Flowey. That's his, his name. You can search him up if you want to. Omega Flowey. Yeah. Mm, okay. Sounds like a nice little guy I know. <laughs> no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Omega Flowey. The boss fight is hard as hell. There's no way you can possibly make it out with with um with 100 health. You have to be down to at least one or two health, Sad like I was. Hell. Yeah. It's it's a TV with I can't describe it. Well, like I said, I heard that this game was ridiculously difficult. It looks like the little shop of horrors monster, like mixed with like a TV, yeah, and like a cactus, and like a cactus. Yeah, so I'm looking at a picture know. of Omega Flowey now. He is a TV. Disgusting. With two eyes outside of the TV and like six loops, with a like a monster squid head underneath it, and on the side he's got cactus arms, and this is disturbing. This really is. It really is. Yeah. So, what are you letting your kids play, huh? What are you letting your kids play? <laughs> you know what? I, I feel like a bad parent now because I didn't even know he played no. this. <laughs> jokes, Just jokes. Wait until you see the boss fight, because the boss fight is absolutely horrifying. So how does it end? How does how do how do you how does Omega Flowey? I love saying well, the name. Actually, in two endings, you don't even get to fight him. Yeah, that's what Omega. That's, that's what Flowey looks like. But when you search up his scary face, it's scary. But okay. they're actually. So, I think this is the only time you... F- no, you fight him in two endings. It's So you don't get a Mega Flowey in, in one of the endings? Yeah, it's genocide. Okay, I'm going to go through genocide first. I don't first. like that, that ending then. I have to have Omega Flowey. <laughs> you know? So in the genocide ending, you end up killing Azriel. A Flowey comes in. He says that he was supposed to kill Az... No, Asgore, the Asgore, king. Yes. Sorry. Flowey comes in and says... He was supposed to kill Asgore. You kill Flowey immediately. Um, one hit. Then, out of nowhere, a kid randomly shows up that looks exactly like your char- character, except with red eyes. Um, her, his, I don't know who, I don't know which, um, uh, its name is Kara. C-H-A-R-A. Kara, mm-hmm. I don't remember specifically, she he says that this worth isn't worth um being around anymore and that he he she wants to destroy it with some of your permission of uh, well he says that you can also make the choice you can either destroy the world 
both worlds, or you can kill Kara. And if you do kill Kara, it's a one hit. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, the second ending, which is neutral, this is actually my favorite. Well, no, not my favorite. Pacifist is my favorite. There's a reason for that. Okay. Um, neutral, you kill Mega Flowey, and I believe that is it. You just kill Mega Flowey, and then the game is done. Pacifist, um, finally, is my favorite because once you kill Mega Flowey, something weird really happens. And turning into a Toriel like being named Azriel, um, Azriel comes into being. Um, so you you have to beat Azriel and then well his first form then he brings out all your friends and your friends um you have to remind your friends who you are because they are called the lost souls apparently because they don't mm-hmm. remember who they are since the souls were taken you remind them who they are after that what happens is second form ca- Azriel is filled with something called hope. Um, this forces him to become his his final form, where it's a little child who looks like Torio again, except it's it's he looks very depressed. Um, we find we find that he's actually Asgore and Torio's son, and that he doesn't want to. S- he wants to stay in the form that he has because he can feel the feeling of love and de- hope and determination. Um, and then, basically, you can either cover comfort him or just push him aside. And <laughs> that's yeah, basically. Um, and that's it. Um, if you finish the game, you can, you can, you can break, you, he breaks the barrier for you so that the monsters can pass over to the earth world. I mean, to the human world. And I think that's it. It was, it's very long and my explanation didn't do it justice, but just play the game. You have to play, right? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I'm, I'm super confused. But, yeah, but <laughs> I just see a bunch of crazy sprite characters that are terrifying, really cool designs, weird as heck, and that yeah. I have no understanding of. <laughs> so I've heard what, the game. What, I've seen what it before. Platform but... Did you play it on Nintendo Switch? Yes, I know. Okay. you're supposed to play. Oh, it, on it was on PC. a Switch. They have Nintendo has a game like this on the Switch. What? That's scary. So. It is on Twitter. I mean, no, I, no, I mean I people people sometimes forget that Nintendo isn't just for kids. Yeah, I, I apparently, you know, because this this sounds like a, a psychedelic game, and I've heard a lot of good good things about it. You know, I, I definitely didn't do it justice. No, I think you did. It's just it's it you sounds like it's a, yeah, it's a, there's it's also a three endings to explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. All right. It'll be like uh, you tried to explain Mass Effect one through three. So I think oh you did a gosh. commendable job. <laughs> yeah, and especially with the fact that it's got three endings. You like the, uh-huh. the pacifist ending, right? Yeah, and it's. W- were any of the endings corny? No. 
No well, corn. It, it was corny. Dude, <laughs> mark this day. This is the one time that Eli didn't think something was corny. It, it was corny in some ways. Oh, you took it out. It's, it's your it's favorite over. ending of all time. How could anything be corny? Give it some. <laughs> give it. Give it some. Some space to be awesome, Eli. Some things can be awesome. You are hating on Teen Wolf. Yes, like, I am. Big time, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry. Oh my oh, god. Man. Thank you. You just offended that one listener that actually likes that show. Good <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a popular show. It's a popular show. It was pretty popular. I'm sorry. Yeah, I actually watched Teen Wolf for like a season or two. So you know. Just play it and you'll understand what I'm saying. Sounds pretty awesome. All right. Sw- <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> With Omega Flowey. So, all righty then. Sounds is good. It, is, it, is it my turn? Okay. I believe so. I think I it is, right? So. Yeah. Wolf Dog. All right. Well, um, you tell us what's up. All right. Go for it. So, so uh, the ending that I'm going to choose, it definitely is, it's going to be, a, it was a tough choice because um, I, I literally could have flipped the coin between you know, Metal Gear Solid 3 and Halo 3. But because of the the campaign that was that preceded the release of Halo 3, I have to go with Halo 3 because what makes the ending of Halo 3 so good for me was the marketing campaign and marketing push that was created for the game. Now, a little bit of a oh. history behind the game. Um, and, can you I know, just, the, can the, I this... Say- yeah. I remember that first trailer when you see him emerging from the from the desert. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, like the thing is that, like, so it was just, you know, chilling. you get chills. I get chills yes. thinking about like that whole series exactly. and, and, and the stuff. Music, and that little musical, like that minimal music that starts at the beginning. Exactly. And that bell. <laughs> Go ahead, dude. Go ahead. Now, the thing is that um, <laughs> this is Bungie's Bungie's baby, essentially. Bungie was originally supposed to come out with Halo on the Mac. It kind of got shut down. Microsoft ended up uh, buying, I believe, buying Bungie, and Halo was their 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 Xbox's baby. It was their launch title, and and Bungie wanting to step away from the series and not be known just for Halo made this their final. Master Chief entry. They did go on to make uh, to release Halo Reach after Halo Three, as well as uh, Halo ODST. But those were side and supplemental stories to the uh, overall Halo universe. Halo Three was the last entry by Bungie of uh, Master Chief. So created Three Four Three Studios, I believe. Is that the isn't that the predecessor to Bungie to to an extent? Yeah, that's the successor. The successor to 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 Bungie. Okay, essentially. and uh, so anyway, this the reason that, that that to me this is an important piece is because it's not like Bungie wanted to leave Halo because they no longer loved it. It's just that this is the best way that they can leave. And it's by saying goodbye to Master Chief. So for me, the marketing campaign, the trailers, the video game itself and its ending was Bungie's way of saying goodbye to Master Chief. OK, um, so. The uh, and the whole thing behind Halo Three was the uh, the and when I keep talking about the marketing campaign, you can look up the trailers. The whole thing was finish the fight, 
right? This is the third act in the story yeah. of Master yeah. Chief's fight against the Covenant in the Flood, um, and uh, the whole you know Halo you know story at this point in time, and you know seeing that first trailer, seeing Master Chief like in the dust in the sand, you know running and stuff like that, and just like that epic music playing with a wonderful soundtrack. I wanted to bring this back to Walter, so I'll ask you a little bit about the soundtrack later. But everything that encompassed the game really gave it that epic feel. And then to have that slogan, finish the fight, kind of be what encompasses the whole thing, it just made the ending so much better. So with that being said, the ending, um, you essentially, when you get to the ending, it's it's a little bit of a repeat to the or a callback to the first game which a lot of people don't necessarily like you know um rehashing certain scenes but this thing it played really good in the ending of the first game you had the warthog run to escape and this one you have the same thing but i think a little bit done much much better so master chief uh finishes finishes uh you know, setting the halo ring to uh, destroy itself and explode. And he has to uh, escape out of uh, the halo ring. And after a couple cutscenes, you're thrown into the, uh, the area where you got to get into the Warhog. And this is where I think for me, best ending video game ending of all time for me is this one, just because as soon as you get into the Warhog, that classic orchestral, um, you know, soundtrack starts hitting so you get into the warhog under the backdrop of a exploding landscape and 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 it's just that one thing that gives me chills to this day is that theme song that plays as soon as you start rushing to escape amid a disappearing floor and hordes of flood attacking you while you're while you attempt to uh to avoid laser beams and everything about um, this i remember fondly we've mentioned this a couple of times before but walt and i played that ending so many times and had such a great time with it Halo 1, Halo, and Halo 3, I think, are the ones that we finished Yeah, together. I mean, especially Halo 3, because you also had extended endings depending on what difficulty level you played it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so uh, <laughs> as, you're, as you're trying to avoid the floor that's giving out and all the lasers hitting you and stuff like that, and you have that music playing... You're 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 driving and rushing through kind of like a countdown that Cortana's given you, uh, you know, and and just the the epic, you know, this the, the ending to me encapsulated a lot of stuff of what we grew up in, you know, our generation of like action movies. You know, you have the Rambo style firing of unlimited Gatling gun while you're taking leaps with the Warhog, you know, hoping you'll survive the landing. Um, at the same time, you got Cortana reminding you every so often, like how much time you have left, adding to the pressure and the anxiety of the final escape sequence. Um, and, and and to me, the music was so epic and so perfectly timed with the Warhog run sequence that I dare you to name a better duo. Go ahead. I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try. When I, get the I don't know, man. I, don't know. <laughs> I think that Warhog run escape and that music playing, I can't picture a better duo. Um, I think musically, yeah, and musically and set piece wise, you're you're probably pretty close to the mark. I would agree to that with that, even if my ending is not your your same ending. So, um, and and I wanted to ask you, Walter, about that. Like, I didn't want to ask before because I want to talk a little bit about this, you know, Halo Three and its music. But would you say? Because for me, the the best soundtrack 
one of the best soundtracks of all time is the Halo 3 soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to I used to yeah. play it when I used to study for school, like kind of like getting the zone for work, working on projects, coding and stuff like that. And it was like just, you know, it just kind of got me in the zone and, and, and it was it was good to work with. But um, yeah, how we would you compare it to the Colossus? We talked about this way back when on one of our first episodes. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh huh. How well, would you compare it to like Colossus soundtrack? Soundtracks to me is is you know a, a lot of people kind of dismiss it and they say oh it's good music but you know what if you do a really proper soundtrack, whether it's a video game or a film, those those type of if you do it right. You elevate the the whatever whatever project you're doing it to a, such another level. I mean, you know, not to take it away from video games, but how would you feel about Star Wars if you didn't have that epic soundtrack? You know, I mm-hmm. it's I so mean, integral to you know how well a pro like the Jaws. Jaws is another perfect yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, that's iconic. The yeah. same thing with Halo Three. Whenever you hear that that you know crescendo, you know instantly it's Halo. You know what I'm saying? My favorite has some yeah. good music too, but it's more minimal than these really sweeping, fantastic scores. And, and, and I, I agree for that. Halo mm-hmm. Three is awesome. You know, in terms of music, I love I love me a, a, a game that has has great soundtrack, uh, great soundtrack because it immerses you in into the game a way that nothing else can. You know, you can have a really really good, you know, game design, level design and stuff like that. But the music is the thing that really, in an emotional way, draws you into the game. By the way. The the music is the enhancer. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, I don't believe how I forgot to mention this. Undertale has the best soundtrack I've ever heard. It's the no, best. Better than Halo 3? Uh-oh. 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 I, know. I, know. Fight. I know I might start fight, but just listen to it, and maybe you'll understand. Oh, you what? Which Eli time. is this? No I want to play the game, honestly, because I've heard a lot of great things about Undertale, uh, but soundtrack is something I want to check out, too. Yeah, I'm definitely down. I love checking out video game soundtracks, even if I haven't played the game. Yeah. Yep. Um, Agreed. All right, so going to the, the actual ending. So after you uh, finally escape the... Uh, the action pack sequence of um, running through the, the, the ending hall to escape with the uh, Warhog. Um, the, the, I forgot the name of the ship, but essentially the ship is uh, transported oh, through a portal, but the portal closes halfway on the ship. So half of the ship actually lands on earth, which is why the Arbiter was able to be saved on earth while um while master chief and cortana are stuck in space and oh, was the name that's of that that's kind pillar of, of autumn. wasn't it the pillar of autumn was it the pillar of autumn no pillar of autumn no. was the first no, no, one no, no, sorry yeah that's the first one somebody google it for me but I anyway knows he said it was the usnc frigate. no no that's the name of the type of ship. oh the type of ship you don't yeah. know the name yet I need to double check. That. I thought it was uh, a fall, was a fallen something, isn't it? Fallen no, something. Pillar of Autumn was from number one. That's the yeah. Ship Pillar of Autumn was from Autumn. yeah. Mm, okay, that's the name yeah. of the final chapter. Pillar of Autumn, isn't it? In Halo Three. In that's, Halo One. No, not in Halo. But anyway, look that up for me and then text it to me so that I can call it out. But the uh, the ending that we get after that—that's the last bit of gameplay that you have—and we go into the cutscenes and the ending 
is nothing too insanely dramatic as a somber ending because the war is over. Uh, but it is a somber ending because so many people have died, you know. And so you have uh, a, a, a speech by the uh, general. I forgot the name of the general uh, with the arbiter there. And they they recognize the uh, that it's time to rebuild the society and the world and, and everything. But they the 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 setting that we have is essentially just a memorial it's going to be an empty memorial for uh the fallen soldiers um and the only thing that we have left that we see as a memorial for uh, master chief is the 117 which is his uh id code essentially scratched onto the memorial Right. Master Chief is presumed dead with only that that scratching, you know, identification on there. And that's pretty much it. Unless you beat the game on Legendary, which I did twice. Ooh. The reason Ooh. I did it twice Forward is because the. F- what was that? What's that? Forward unto Dawn. Was that's the name, the name of the ship? Okay. So that's the name of the frigate that <laughs> Master Chief. Uh, is I guess stuck in space and whatnot, uh, presumed dead. Uh, but yeah, I happen to have to had to play the game twice because the extra ending you can only watch it if you beat it on legendary and wait for the credits to roll. I know that it was on YouTube at the time, but I refused to watch the ending on YouTube. I wanted to play it on legendary, so I played it once with a cousin of mine. And while we're watching the credits, he hits the X button bringing us to the main menu oh my gosh and you know there's no way to like where's your cousin buried (laughs) well (laughs) i I gotta say that i have not spoken to him since that day (laughs) no but that's only that's that's only because like he i just needed someone to man the turret because the uh the 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 ai wasn't it was too hard for me to like beat the game just by myself i needed somebody that was smart enough with the uh, turret but and he oh, like just lives yeah. somewhere else, so that's the only reason we haven't really caught up. But there um, should be a rule. There should be a rule at the end of the game. Everybody puts down their controllers. That I is agree. exactly what happened after <laughs> after after the second time. So like it's funny because there was so much emotion riding on this. I'm I'm literally like just like you know rubbing my hands together, waiting for that that extra final cutscene <laughs> and 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 uh, and all of a sudden we're back at the main menu. I'm like, oh my god. So I get, you know, I didn't want to go through it again. It was really tough. I go through it again with uh, uh, one of my best friends who now works for Amazon at the time. He's well, worked probably, for. You probably warned him beforehand. If you touch that button, you're going to be. In the I, same did, actually, I, that did, my I did actually. I did. I did. I did. My my call, <laughs> shout out to John Diaz. He uh, has uh, worked for you know uh, Midway Game Studios, Rockstar, nice. uh, San Diego, Warner Brothers uh, in. Montreal and and now he's in uh, Seattle under Amazon Prime, Sweet. not Amazon Prime under Amazon's game division when they launched it. He was one of the the first to be brought onto that team. Oh, um, but anyway, their first game, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. I um I called him to to help me finish the fight and we finished it. This time we dropped the controllers and we get to the actual ending, the final ending, and the final cutscene that we have is um. Uh, let me see here. If you beat it on Legendary, you'll be rewarded with an extra cutscene after the credits where you see Master Chief and Cortana floating away in space on the uh, uh, the wreckage of the... What was the name of the ship again? 
Forward Unto Dawn. Forward. The Forward yeah. Unto Dawn. Um, and basically, Master Chief has now, at this point, finished the fight. He can finally rest. He puts away his gun. Um, and he beds down for the long sleep, giving Cortana his final instructions to wake him when he, when we need him again. And that I think was Bungie's way of saying goodbye. You know, he, they, they, they're giving Master Chief a rest. They're letting him, you know, put down his weapon, uh, and get some sleep. But they're also saying that like, we're handing the baton and this isn't the last time that you'll see Master Chief. So I thought that to me, that was one of the best video game endings because of the action sequence, because of the uh, story itself, and because of the story behind the story, the story of Bungie handing this off to Microsoft and 343 Studios. So, um, yeah, that's that's my favorite ending of all time. Halo 3 is up there. Halo 3 is definitely one of the, probably of that generation, one of the best narratives of any video game. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's insane to me that it has not been made into a film or a series or a trilogy. And it's just, it, there's so much good there for TV the space opera. Coming. The TV show I know, I know, but I, you know, I don't have too much faith yet just because like yeah. there's TV show was supposed to be produced. Peter Jackson was behind it. Microsoft had invested you it's know, thirty true. million dollars behind it, and it still got shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, Publish there's right. the movies as well. The new times. one, though, right? Sorry, go what ahead. What was that? It's it's been shut down a number of times because if yeah. you remember, yeah. The, yeah. the marketing was it Bronkamp attached to it yep. as well. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, didn't he do that landfall? commercial for them that live action yeah. commercial that was yes. amazing yeah, he did. and then and then you can actually go on youtube and find some shorts that he did with really low yeah. budget to show that he mm-hmm. can get this done this is this is before like this is when when i think harvey weinstein was uh pulling out of it he was attached before uh um, to that, uh, that the film and um they they, they they wanted to pull out of it just because they felt like there wasn't going to be enough it was going to be too big of an investment and not enough of a uh, audience simply because of the history of video game movies not doing well. And Neil Blomkamp, you know, did some really amazing shorts that really made, you know, Halo look like it, w- it could be set in, in the real world uh, with very minimal budget. And it was still canceled. But Neil Blomkamp ended up using some of the stuff that he used for that he created for these shorts to launch his career, essentially, because then shortly after that, he did. He used a lot of the equipment, the settings, the props, and the actors for uh, District 9. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you see his other films, yeah, if you see his other films, you'll see a lot of similarities be, behind the, uh, like, some of the technology that, that could have been used and would have been used in the Halo movies. So, I don't yeah, know he, if you he remember the um, Elysium, right? Yeah, Elysium is another one of my favorites. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of got a Halo vibe to it, too. If you guys remember, yeah. I oh, talked yeah. about um, District 9 and how much it seemed like it was it was to me, it was a little bit jarring. But like the end of it was like freaking Gears of War, like just like the the gore and the weapon design and all that. Like you can really see somebody like him creating a great video game series. It's kind of a shame that he's not going to get to do that. And and he, yeah. he was he was he was a uh, he despite the fact that it was canceled, he still had. He was still working actively on on getting it done, and I think it was just until recently that he said, "You know what? I've put too much time and, and effort into this that I'm completely walking away from it." 
you know, because I believe he actually worked on a script also, didn't he? Or something like that. I know, I know the fact that, yes, you know, he did. He, he worked he, on, a, he worked on a ton of, of the actual production, including like, like Wolfie said, those shorts, like he, yeah. he was ready to make that movie. I feel like he was super invested in making he was that super movie. ready. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's a shame that it never came to pass. We'll, we'll see what happens with the Showtime series. I think uh, Pablo Schreiber is, is attached yes. to be yeah. Master Chief. Mm-hmm. Be, I'm yep. curious, yep. but I don't I, know if they confirmed that he was Master Chief. I mean, he probably will be. I believe, no, I believe so. I thought he put a, a social media post where he was holding Master Chief's helmet. Also, I don't remember I that, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I read that he was confirmed to play Master Chief. Yeah, I mean, I'm ex- I'm totally excited about it. I just, you know, you know, my heart's been broken multiple times. So, <laughs> with the the the, the Halo uh, live action stuff, stuff. draw from. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, let's just get that out of the way and confirm that this is an article from Gamespot. Uh, the iconic role of the Master Chief in Showtime's upcoming Halo TV show will be played by Pablo Schreiber. So that's that's a confirmation. As far as the you know, hopefully the show will actually come out. But if it does. That's our master chief, and he's a great actor. He could do a really good job with it. He yeah, could be I like, like the new Mando. He'd be like Mando. You know, he never has to yeah. take off the helmet. Oh my gosh! I just realized. Yeah, think about master that, chief is basically a like like another universe's version of Boba Fett. That's it's like no, a Mandalorian no. dude. Absolutely, I'm he has the green I'm armor. Old. He's like a total I'm badass. Old. He's a total <laughs> badass. He can go out there all on his lonesome and and retrieve stuff. He's totally inspired by Boba Fett. I, he hasn't he hasn't been a, a, a an animal's lunch yet. So <laughs> actually, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. He was almost he was almost like a, a kraken. Huh? Oh, yes. that's true. Let's, let's slow this roll down a little bit, though. You know. Uh, all Boba right. Fett anyway. Hmm. Anyway, I'm going to hand it off to Jose, but I know what he's going to be talking about. So I'm going to jump off because I am in the middle of playing this game and I do not want to get spoiled myself. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the cast and enjoy what Jose is going to bring to the table over here. Yes. I am personally going to choose to not get spoiled. So <laughs> uh, I will check you guys later. Well, uh, Wolfie, before you go, remember when you finish this game to check back at this portion of the podcast so that you can create your edited video where you agree that it is the greatest video game ending of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I I will. You know what? I will give it a fair shake. I will. uh, I am going through it because of uh, your passion. I Mm -hmm. I appreciate your passion. Mm -hmm. I am enjoying the game. Quite a bit. I will say that there's a couple things that I'm not, you know, jiving with, but I am I still it. just in the first portion of the game. I believe I think I'm in the summer. Yeah, I don't first, know whether the, the first season is the, of the summer. Game won't stand out. It's when you get to like the next seasons, and that's kind All of right, giving the cool. game away so, a little bit. Um, no, it's fine. But, but you the know, story the story's pretty good so far, right? Yeah, no, the story's great. I love the story. It, it, it's more like uh, control stuff, and you know, yeah. just, it, like story wise, I love the story so far. I'm really, really excited for uh, Last of Us Two, and I'm also really excited for um, the uh, the the show, the series mm-hmm. that is reported to come out. So. Sweet. Last yeah. thing. Hold on. What? What's up? Uh, ooh, Last thing. Um, okay. Try and listen to the Undertale soundtrack, and if I you am. can, try and play it. The Undertale. I am. I'm. I'm totally gonna check it out. 
Yeah, it's awesome. I'm sure right, it's guys. on Spotify or one of the streaming services. Later. Enjoy. Right. Peace out, guys. Thank you, Wolfie. Later, Wolfie. So, right. so Wolfie's in the summer. I'm in the fall. But I'm going to stick around because I already know the ending. So um, there's, you can't spoil <laughs> it for me. You know what I'm saying? Let's put it that way. I well, just don't. <laughs> full <laughs> disclosure, since we're talking about spoilers, um, you're, you're, you're never going to live this one down, Walt. You spoiled the ending of the first season of Game of Thrones for me. And I will never forgive you for that. But I'll forgive you now just for this particular podcast so that okay. I can spoil my pick, which uh, Wolfie introduced for me, my pick for the greatest video game ending of all time, and indeed one of my favorite video games of all time, uh, of which the sequel came out just a couple of days ago, The Last of Us Part Two. Of course, my favorite video game ending being The Last of Us. Um, and so far, just to give you guys a, a little bit of a mini, 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 mini spoiler-free review, I've only played about two and a half hours of the sequel. Um, the, you know, a little bit of it was kind of similar to the first game, which I love the first game, so that's not so bad. But I just got past the first big set piece and the first big narrative beat of the sequel Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It blows the first one away in the first two and a half hours. And that's saying something because this is my favorite video. One of my favorite video games and my favorite video game ending of all time. So let's let's talk about it a little bit. So, again, it's The Last of Us, um, which came out on PlayStation 3. I believe it's 2013. It is a uh, Naughty Dog production, Naughty Dog Studios, uh, famous for games like Jack and Daxter and... Um, the Uncharted series being one of its biggest franchises before The Last of Us, and certainly The Last of Us was influenced by the work that they did on uh, Uncharted, the Uncharted series. So let me set the stage for you a little bit and tell you why The Last of Us is my favorite ending of all time. And just to reiterate why I'm so excited for the HBO show to come out. I don't know when it's going to be released. They haven't cast it yet. There's very few details, but I'm just really, really, really chomping at the bit to get my hands on or to get my eyes on the HBO series once it's released and any details even before it's released, I'm going to be on the production um, obsessively when I get some details from it. So The Last of Us, for those who haven't played the game, and of course, spoilers, 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 um, it is a seven-year-old game. The sequel's out right now. I hope some of you are enjoying it. So the setup for the first game is uh, you play as a character named Joel, and the setup for the first game is you start the day off of the game just like pretty much every other day. Um, you actually are introduced to Joel, and he's a single father. He has a daughter named Sarah. And you're introduced to Sarah at the beginning of the game. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of The Last of Us, uh, for those who have played it, you're probably aware that the first character that you control is his daughter, Sarah. So she wakes up and basically... To break it down a little simply so that I don't have to go into a huge synopsis of it, it's another po post-apocalyptic zombie story. I mean, that's really the big crux of the game. And at the time, zombie stories were kind of being done to death. This is when things like The Walking Dead started to emerge, and a lot of big shows like that started to come out. And when The Last of Us came out, I didn't actually play it right away because I was like, here's just another you know, zombie bandwagon video game or show. I wasn't super intrigued by it. I liked the zombie genre, but... I don't love it so much that I have to see every single zombie movie or TV show that comes out. But a few friends of mine told me how great this game was. 
And so it's a zombie post-apocalyptic game. And you start off the game playing as Joel, main, the main character's daughter, Sarah. You control her uh, until basically the end of the prologue. And what happens here is there's an outbreak of this new virus that's basically turning people into crazed zombies that are killing people, eating people. Um, and you, Sarah, and Joel, who's the main character, who's, you know, a secondary character at this point, and Joel's brother, Tommy, are trying to figure out how to get out of Atlanta, if I remember, uh, remember correctly, the city of Atlanta, um, and get away from all the zombies and all of the, the madness because the city is slowly falling apart. There's explosions going off. People are running in fear. Like, stuff is on fire. Car accidents are occurring everywhere. Like, it's complete chaos. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I loved about this game, obviously, was the atmosphere that it built in those opening moments. Um, but, interesting that they chose Atlanta, right? Right. It's kind of interesting. But if I'm remembering that correctly, I believe I'm remembering it, remembering it correctly because I played it again recently. If I'm wrong on that, I'm happy to be corrected. I know Joel is from Texas. I don't believe the game was set in Texas in the beginning, though. No, it doesn't so, look like Right. So at the beginning, as I said, they're trying to escape. And the setup is that uh, as they're driving off, they're trying to get out of this, this danger zone, out of this city where all hell is breaking loose, for lack of a better term. They get in a car accident. The car gets flipped over and Sarah's leg gets injured. So Joel's trying to carry her to safety. He's, he's running with her. Tommy's uh, tagging along, Joel's brother. He's got a gun. He's helping to defend the both of them as best as he can while Joel is carrying Sarah to safety. Um, now, I remember the emotion that I felt when I first played the beginning of this game, okay? Because it's actually one of my favorite beginnings of all time. Again, it's one of my favorite stories of all time. But I remember definitely being choked up at the beginning because what happens is you and Joel, Sarah and Joel, run into, or they're running away from zombies, and they run into an army soldier who's just starting to get wind of what's going on. The army's trying to get a control of the situation and quarantine the city. And there's a lone soldier who you hear on the radio with his commanding officer. He tells his commanding officer that, you know, there's a man and his daughter that he just shot a couple of zombies to save them. And the commanding officer gives this soldier the order to execute Joel and Sarah. Okay. Because they want to contain whatever this is. They don't understand it yet. So he fires he hits Joel, and Joel's on the ground. He's about to die, and he's about to shoot Joel and finish him off. Joel just has a wound at this point. Uh, and then Tommy comes in in the final hour and shoots the soldier in the head, saving Joel's life. What, what's unfortunate is that they weren't able to save Sarah. She caught a, the brunt of the bullets, and so the beginning of the game begins with Joel losing his daughter. Like, she dies in his arms, he cries. It's emotional. If Wolfie for here were here, he'd probably be getting choked up because he's definitely somebody that he's mentioned before. These father-daughter, father father-son stories uh, are something that's really affecting to him. And I kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I definitely feel like a, a very strong emotional connection to that kind of story, even though I don't have kids of my own. You know, I have my nephews, you guys. And, you know, I think kids are great. I love kids. <laughs> it sounds kind of like I'm qualifying a statement, but it makes that beginning so much more emotional, okay? One thing I want to say about the beginning also that I love is that there's some foreshadowing in the beginning of the game where there are some people by the side of the road that Tommy wants to pick up and help, but Joel says no. No. we, we they, Tommy's like, they got kids. Joel says, so do we. And he tells Tommy to continue and leave those people behind to die, okay? 
So that's a little bit of foreshadowing for the end of the game, something that you don't realize until you get all the way to the end of the game. It tells you a little bit about Joel's character. Um, so what eventually ends up happening is the story flash forwards 20 years after the death of Sarah. It shows the world in this post-apocalyptic state. Cities are quarantined. Different factions have been built up. Um, it's a very totalitarian society to try and control this virus. And Joel is partners with a, a small group and this girl named Tess. Um, and they're just basically trying to survive in the future. Through a, a series of events that I won't spoil too much, uh, at least at this point, because I am going to spoil the ending, they end up meeting up with somebody who's a member of this one faction that is considered freedom fighters or terrorists, depending on who you're talking about, and they're called the Fireflies. Their leader's name is Marlene, okay? Marlene is really, really, really essential to this story because there's basically a, a situation that occurs where some weapons that Joel and Tess had had sort of given to somebody else get given to Marlene, who they're not connected with. And in order to get those weapons back, Marlene, the leader of the Fireflies, asks Joel and Tess to do a run for her, basically, to, to, to complete a task for her. Um, that task is, of course, the game's secondary character, The Last of Us' secondary character, and the main character in The Last of Us 2, or a among a couple of main characters, uh, which is Ellie. She's a 14-year-old girl, and the story reveals that, just like any other zombie outbreak, basically you catch this virus. It's called the cordyceps virus. It's kind of a fungus that turns you into a brainless zombie, but you catch it by getting bitten, just like any other zombie lore. And it turns out that Ellie has been bitten and is immune to the virus. So Marlene asks Joel and Tess to get Ellie to other groups of the Fireflies so they can study her and figure out why she's immune. Now, part of the reason that I love this game is because it's, it's a similar but different enough to one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Children of Men, okay? It's got mm -hmm. the same road story. It's the post-apocalypse. It's a, a young man protecting, or it's an older man protecting a young woman, and in just the same way that, that this game connects Joel and Ellie by the end, they become emotionally connected because they travel together across the country throughout four seasons, the four seasons of the, of the year. It starts in spring, then summer, then winter, and then fall is the final season before it skips ahead to the end of the game. So they travel together across the country to find the other groups of the Fireflies and see if they can get Ellie to them so that they can figure out how to reverse engineer an, a vaccine for this virus that's destroying the world. Hey, uh, Jose, um, I from, a quick question. Yes. So, um, actually, I got two questions. First mm -hmm. of all, what are the seasons again? Because I, I'm currently in the fall season right now, and I'm wondering mm -hmm. how far I am in the game. It's spring, then... Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's not spring. It starts in, I think, in the summer. Yeah, summer, then fall, then oh. winter. It goes through the four seasons, summer, fall, winter, and then spring. And it's symbolic, actually. It's really right. symbolic how they set up the seasons. Spring eternal, right? Right, so, right, exactly. Uh, You'll see, like, winter is, is the despair season. You'll see when you get to it. It's my favorite part of the game. So I'm kind of close question? to the middle, right? Yeah, if you're if you're close to 
the if you're if you're near the end of the fall, then you're almost halfway through the game. You might even be a little bit closer to halfway because the final season is shorter than the first three. I think gotcha. the first two seasons are the longest one. And then the last two are a little bit shorter. Don't quote me on that, but I remember, like I said, I played it again recently, so I feel like those two seasons were slightly shorter, especially the final season or the final chapter or act of the game. Okay. the The other question is this: Did they yeah. did they ever explain? You know, and this, this is kind of a thing that that you know kind of plagues with The Walking Dead. Um, because everybody asked the question, and I'm going to ask the question here because I don't know if I missed it or if if that's something that's going to come later. Do they ever explain the virus itself, like how it how it happened? Was it was is that a big plot point to the game or um, how it occurred initially? No. Yeah. Okay. No. There's no okay. explanation. Maybe and and in what I've seen of The Last of Us Two also so far, uh, nothing. That explains okay. that. I don't. I don't think that, that. I think that's something they kind of didn't even want to talk about because they wanted to focus on some other things in the narrative. I feel like. Yeah. So no. That, that they, makes. You know. But the the only thing that you do get is if you remember at the beginning of the game after the 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 prologue when Sarah dies, you get the intro and you hear the news reports over mm-hmm. the credits. That's the only background that you get on that. As far as I know, there's there's little things that you find in the game, notes and recordings and stuff like that that you've seen that kind of tell the story a little bit more. Yeah, but they don't narrow that down specifically, right? Okay. I was just curious so, if I had missed it or was that something that they were going to talk about later? I don't believe so. But if there's anybody out there that can speak to that better than I can, again, it's a, a pretty big fan and somebody that's played it again recently. I know there was a comic that came out. Um, that's the only. That's the only. Lore that I don't know because I played The Last of Us Left Behind, the DLC, which fills mm-hmm. in some stuff. When you'll see when you play it, it fills in a part of the game really, really well, and they can squeeze that into the first couple of seasons, I think, of the TV show when it comes out. Okay. So, so again, the the story, the crux of the story is just like um, Children of Men, like I mentioned, the crux of the story is that the the older character, the old curmudgeon, the grizzled old veteran. Um, is he connects with Ellie. Joel connects with Ellie. Eventually, in traveling together and fighting together and saving each other's lives, they he begins to see Joel, or he begins to see Ellie, and Ellie begins to see Joel. They begin to see each other as family, as father and daughter, daughter and father. And that connection is kind of what forms the the entire emotion behind this game. I mean, it's about responsibility, it's about sacrifice, it's about loss, it's about family, and it's brilliantly done, okay? And the, the again, the voice acting in this game is is the best in the industry, if you ask me. I don't know if there's any game that does it better, especially when you combine the really, really fantastic facial animation and all of that in the game, and animation overall, and, you know, even brushes of the wrist and all that, which I'll get to. So the ending... You get all the way across the country. You find the fireflies. And without entirely spoiling the, la- spoiling the Last of Us Left Behind, you learn that Ellie basically had a partner that she was bitten with. They were bitten at the same time. Um, this was Ellie's best friend. And her friend dies, and Ellie has been waiting for years, ever since then, to die. They both said that they would, quote, lose their minds and die together. So... Ellie wants to sacrifice herself for humanity. She's been through so much. She's lost so many people 
that she wants to make, in the words of Joel, she wants to make her immunity mean something, right? So you get to the Fireflies at the end, and you see Marlene again, who again is the leader of the Fireflies that sets you on this path at the beginning of the game. And they take Ellie into the operating room in order to try to figure out how they can reverse engineer a vaccine, and Marlene begins to converse with Joel. In that moment, in this conversation, Joel realizes that the only way to reverse engineer the vaccine that will save humanity is for Ellie to die. Ellie has to die because the the virus, the cordyceps virus, grows around the brain. So they have to dissect and get to samples of Ellie's brain in order to create this virus. But again, that's something that Ellie wanted to do. She was ready for that sacrifice. But Joel has other ideas. Joel has connected to, to Ellie, sees him as his daughter. He doesn't want to lose another daughter. So what happens is, instead of Joel allowing Ellie to save humanity, Joel goes on a rampage. He kills the doctors that are doing surgery on her. He kills the fireflies that are trying to, to protect her and Marlene from him. And he, he tries to get away with Ellie, um, tries to save her and tries to get away with her so that he can get her out of there and she doesn't have to die for the sake of humanity, which is an incredibly selfish decision. But I'm not doing the game justice Unless you play it, you don't see why he makes that choice. And I'll tell you, there's only there's one part. Actually, you know, I'm not going to spoil it for you. There's a moment, and I only say this to you, Walt. There's a moment at the end of the winter season mm-hmm. that Joel says something to her that you realize the moment when he has fully started to see Ellie as his daughter. Okay, and it's a powerful, powerful moment. You've already been to the end of a couple of seasons. You haven't been to some of the best ones, but each season ends in such a powerful way and begins in such an incredible and powerful way. So we get to the end, and Joel is trying to escape. He's being chased by some of the remaining and living fireflies, and it's crazy because he brutally executes one of them in order to try to find out where Ellie is. Like, it's just he does incredibly brutal things, and like I said, they foreshadow in the beginning when he when he says that he has to protect his daughter. He doesn't care about those civilians by the side of the road that have kids of their own. And you even get a hint of this when he talks to his brother Tommy a few years after Sarah dies. And Tommy hints that in order for Joel and Tommy to survive, Joel had to do terrible, terrible things that even Tommy wasn't okay with. They actually yep. became estranged because Joel was so brutal in the way that he he protected the both of them. That even in spite of the fact that he was protecting them both, Tommy could not morally come to terms with it, okay? So by the end, Joel hops into an elevator. Ellie is still unconscious, and that's something to to remember very, very importantly. Ellie is entirely unconscious throughout this entire time while Joel is trying to save her. She's under anesthesia. And Joel is carrying Ellie in his arms and runs into Marlene. Marlene holds a gun and tells Joel that he's making a huge mistake. And you have to realize that Marlene actually makes a, a moral choice on the opposite side because she helped to raise Ellie. When Ellie's mother died, Marlene was friends with Ellie's mother, mother and Marlene was, was basically like her older sister slash surrogate mother as well. And she, she understands 
as horrible as it is that the sacrifice of letting Ellie die is for the sake of humanity. Now, the way that they edit this actually is something that's really amazing about it. So I'll try to describe it as best as I can in a few minutes and not get too long-winded with it. But so you see Marlene and Joel confronting each other in the elevator, in the Firefly facility. And then the game actually flashes forward. And you see Joel driving with Ellie passed out in the back seat. You don't know what happened. They don't tell you what happened in that moment. What you do find out is that Ellie basically asks Joel, what happened? Like, why are we here? Why am I still? She's still in the basically the medical robes that she was in in the hospital, the blue medical robes. So she's completely confused as to what's going on. And Joel tells her, he lies to her, he tells her that there were many other people like her with the same immunity and that none of it mattered because they could not figure out how to get a cure. So essentially invalidating Ellie's desire to use her immunity to save humanity. He lies to her and says that her immunity means nothing. We flash back to the elevator scene between Marlene and Joel. You see Marlene continue to reason with Joel. She puts her weapon down. She says to Joel, like, she, she believes that Joel is a good man in the end and will make the right choice. She lowers her weapon and Joel does well he he does what's i love what i love about this game is how morally ambiguous it is he takes that moment when marlene lowers her weapon and he pulls his weapon quickly you don't even see it in the game actually he pulls his weapon and he shoots marlene in the stomach so marlene he puts he puts ellie down and marlene begins to beg for her life marlene says you know We'll let you go. Don't worry about it. Like, just please let me live. And you and Ellie can go and do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, And again, this is kind of flashing between the scene with Marlene and the scene slightly in the future where Joel and Ellie are driving away from this conflict with the fireflies. He, and, and this is actually one of my favorite parts and one of the, the most interesting little beats for Joel's character. Marlene is begging and begging for her life. And Joel, without remorse, without a pause, without any kind of, of humanity, he says to Marlene, you just come after her. And he shoots her in the head and kills Marlene. Okay. So Marlene is dead. Um, many fireflies are dead. And then the game flashes forward again to a scene I believe back in the in the fall, because Ellie is in like a, a thicker jacket. They're dressed up for slightly for slightly colder weather, but it's still relatively green outside. So they flash forward. Um, they've it looks like they've driven for at least a few days, if not a few weeks. It doesn't give you a perfectly good idea of how long time has passed since the conflict with Marlene and the Fireflies and rescuing Ellie from. Uh, that point where she was going to die in order to sacrifice herself. And they're having a short conversation. And what I love about this scene, like this is why the voice acting in this game is so incredible. And if they don't pull this off properly, they really need to get Neil Druckmann, who is the creative director of Last of Us 1 and Last of Us 2. He needs to be on board with this in order for the HBO show to be as effective as it can. Because you listen to Joel throughout the game. And in this last scene, you can hear his guilt. 
he is, you can hear him trying to get on Ellie's good side. His voice is more sing-song. There's something about his voice that you can tell that he knows that not only did he do a horrible thing by killing all those people, but he did a horrible thing by taking away, again, the meaning behind Ellie's immunity. So they walk for a while. They converse. He has a conversation with Ellie uh, about how he, or how about how she and Joel's real daughter, Sarah, probably would have gotten along. Um, which to me is another indicator of how much he's trying to get on her side after all of these evil things that he did, because every time that Ellie brings up his daughter, any other point in the game, he gets furious and cuts it off. He doesn't want to talk about it. But in this moment, he's using that to connect to her, again, because of this disconnection, because of this thing that he's done. And... I've seen a few videos on YouTube. I watched one a few days ago. And I want to preface this by saying, like, I tried to look for some old games that were better than this. I went back to some of my old favorites, um, Metal Gear Solid, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. You could call these runners up. Half-Life 2, Episode 2. Other games with incredible endings. Not going to describe them at all here other than to say, play them. But I tried to get away from this as my favorite ending because I didn't want to describe it to you guys on the podcast because I know you're both going through it now. And that's why Wolfie peaced out because he doesn't want to hear it. Um, so there's this powerful moment at the end. Ellie pauses. She stops. And she says to Joel, she tells Joel the story, first of all, of Left Behind, DLC basically, which I mentioned earlier where she says that there's somebody else that was a friend of hers that was bitten at the same time, and she died, and Tess died, and another character dies at the beginning of the game, who I won't mention, that she gets close to. Um, so all these people have died in service of trying to help her, trying to help humanity, trying to do a better thing for, for everyone, the less selfish thing. All these people sacrifice themselves for the betterment of, of all. She stops Joel and she says, like, you have to tell me Tell me that everything you said about the Fireflies is true, being that her immunity meant nothing, they had other people with the immunity, and that there was no reason for her to sacrifice herself in order to save humanity because it wouldn't have worked anyway. And the pauses in this moment, again, Neil Druckmann, uh, you better make sure they do your, your video game justice, that HBO does your video game justice, because the pauses in this moment are some of the, the most interesting beats I've ever seen in a story in a video game. There are these long, pregnant pauses between answers. Ellie asks, again, is everything that Joel said about the Fireflies true? And you can see Joel hesitate. Um, and there's another moment here. It's kind of before that. I just want to mention it. This is how subtle and awesome this game is. At the beginning of the game, um, Joel's daughter Sarah gives him a watch, and it gets broken, and he, he's wearing it 20 years later after she passed. It's like his remembrance of her. When he talks about Sarah, you see the character kind of brush the watch very quickly. There's these little moments in the game that are just so incredible. So he brushes the watch, and he tells, he tells Ellie... He lies to her, and you can see it in his face in the game, too. And we know it as, as, as gamers as well. He's lying. He says, I swear. And then there's another long pause. You see Ellie wrestling with this because you know she doesn't believe him. And, and again, the, the actors and the animators pull this off with such amazing precision. You see Ellie wrestling with this because she knows that Joel is not telling the whole truth. But she, she does what many of us would do in that moment, and she gives into it. 
and she believes him. And she just says, okay. And then there's another short pause and then the credits fade to black and the game ends. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I kind of don't like this Joel guy, to be honest. He's a jerk, but that's what I love about the game. That's what I love about the game, the moral complexity. You guys would have to play the game to understand because think of it this way. Think of it this way. If you, if, and, and, you know, this is a horrible thing to think of, but if you, if you had a child and that child died and then you found somebody else that you connected with in the same way as that child, what choice would you make? Uh, I think a lot of us, I think of a lot of us, a lot of us would make the same choice as Joel. As horrible as it is. I know it sounds, it sounds terrible, but like the game does an amazing job and you can, I think you can tell by how I describe these subtle moments. The game does an amazing job of getting you somehow on Joel's side. Even if you do not agree with what he does at the end, it gives you some reasons to understand it. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, Eli. It's it's not something that I can agree with, but it's something mm-hmm. that if you're in that situation, then there's only one choice you can make. And even if you don't agree with it yourself, it's going to be, it's just, it's the selfish thing. It's the selfish thing to do, but that's, it, humans are selfish. So yeah. it's the selfish, if think of it this way, Eli, it's the selfish thing and the selfless thing. Because he does it for himself, but he also does it for Ellie. Well, yeah, true. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, I don't want to get too far into it. Everybody had a great time talking about their endings as well. But, like, for me, not just the way that they tell the story in this game, um, or not just the story in this game, but how they tell the story in this game and how it ends, it is considered by others, not just by myself, to be one of the best video games and video game stories and video game endings of all time. If you go on online and you search some lists, it's in the top 10 or 20, really no matter what list you're looking at. So it's up there. And it's not necessarily your guy's favorite, and I get that. I'm going to play it, definitely. Oh, you're gonna, I think you will like it, Eli. I think you'll like it, and I can't wait to, to the HBO show. I hope that if it goes, if it sticks to this level of quality, it might be above and beyond even the way that the video game tells the story. But there's also, there's also something that we should all mention. There's something about how video games tell these stories because you play the character. You don't just watch them. You play as the character. So that brings a little bit something different to it. Um, but so, yeah, that's, like I said, I'm not going to take too much longer. For me, The Last of Us, I tried not to have it be my favorite. But The Last of Us is my favorite video game story and ending of all time, spanning 35 years of playing video games. This is my absolute number one. Nice. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I really enjoyed all your guys' choices, too. I have a ways to go to finish it. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I spoiled it for you, but I think once you see it, you're still going to enjoy it quite a bit. Well, no, I already knew the ending. So, you I know, know. It, I, I had that spoiled already. It's just what it is, is that as I'm going through the game, you know, the foreshadowing that they do is is very there. You know what I'm saying? Especially at mm-hmm. once you know the ending, because mm-hmm. not only do you see the foreshadowing in Joel, but you also see kind of the recklessness in Ellie also. 
mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of times like I just went through a thing where she left the the safety of the dam, you know, and for people mm-hmm. who, you know, get into the game, you'll understand what I'm saying. But she left without letting know, letting anybody know, and it was very reckless and very dangerous. And so now, you know, when you know the ending, you understand you know, her mentality at that point, because she's like, you know what, I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice myself. I'm willing, you know, I should have died a long time ago, you know, especially if you play the left behind, which I didn't do until recently, I'd only started it. I knew the story of it. But once you play left behind as well, it fills in some of those blanks really, really nicely. So I I, I hope you enjoy all of that when you play it. I mean, I, I know you're enjoying it so far. I know it's not your favorite game ever, ever. But I think you can kind of see where I'm coming from in terms of the storyline on this one. I, I, I do like it. Like I said, um, and I think you even mentioned it, you know, there are parts that are repetitive. And, and yeah. just me as a gamer, um, I I kind of tend to gravitate. I, I enjoy story-driven games a lot. I think, mm-hmm. I think there's huge value in that. You know, I, I'm not a person that, particularly cares for the call of duty type movies or games or you know yeah. where it's just you go you know there is there's no story there but i do appreciate the drop in and drop out aspect of those games mm-hmm. just because of my lifestyle and how busy i am so you know the last of us i bought the last of us when i bought the system my system that was about a year ago Mm-hmm. And I haven't progressed as far as I'd like just because of the fact that it, it does take a long time to get through everything. The story is amazing. I think it's more the mechanics of the very beginning of the game where it's like, you know, there's a lot of um, exploration, I guess, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, there is a lot of... For me, you know, where time is is not... Yeah, I don't have as much time as I'd like. Right. It kind of pulls draws me out of it because i'll play it for a little bit but then i won't touch it for another couple of months and then i try to get back into it and then i'll touch it for another couple of months you know what i mean as long as you finish both games before the tv show comes out <laughs> then I'm, I'm okay with it both games before <laughs> part five comes out <laughs> well the second one's a lot longer the first one's about 15 hours the second one is 25 to 30 hours so oh the God. second one is an even bigger investment. But I'll tell you this much, again, without spoiling the game, it's it's not as repetitive because there's a lot more great, there's a lot more better better controls. It's a little bit less clunky than than what well some people describe the controls as clunky. I don't. I think they're good in the first game, but there's some other things that you can do that are seemingly, you know, pretty simple that get added to the second game, like dodging and jumping, uh, being able to use ropes. Um, all these other things that you can do in the second game that really add to the gameplay and the way that the AI works as well is added to this to the second game. And the thing that I've seen so far is that the second game really is going to mess with you. Anybody who's playing it out there, because they introduce you to two different factions and you get to know them as people. You get to know their 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 what's good about them, what's bad about them. You get to see them as human beings. So inevitably, when these two factions confront each other. There's going to be a lot of emotion behind it, and that's why I think like the TV show is going to be amazing because it's going to explore a lot of that in the second half of the series. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just really excited about it because I just love this game so much. All right, sounds cool. Yeah. All righty then. All righty then. 
So I want to thank you guys, as always, the Get Geek podcast crew for making it another awesome podcast with our favorites today. Uh, we have Shadow of the Colossus, God of War 3, Undertale, Halo 3, and The Last of Us. Walt loves Shadow of the Colossus. AJ was a God of War 3 fan. Eli enjoyed Undertale. Wolfie loved Halo 3, and I'm a fan of The Last of Us. These are our favorite video games ever. I want to thank all of our fans out there for joining us once again for the Get Geek Podcast. As always, the best thing that you can do if you really, really enjoyed this podcast and if you enjoyed any of our past ones, I hope that some of you have checked out our uh, Xbox Series X versus PlayStation 5 podcast and our recent Geek Out podcast, as well as our podcast on the, the current state of things where we got a little bit more political. Um, and we hope that some of you checked that out as well. But the best way to... Uh, to support our podcast is to like, rate, share, and subscribe. Um, you can find us on Instagram at getgeekpodcast.com. And remember, we are having a giveaway. Um, for those of you that were listening in the beginning and all the way, got all the way to the end of us, we are having a Funko Pop giveaway, which we are going to announce on the 24th, this coming Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. So go to our Instagram at getgeekpodcast for more details. And also, Find us wherever your favorite podcasts are sold, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please like, rate, share, subscribe, engage us anywhere you can, send us any ideas for future podcasts that you have. And, you know, that's it. Again, thanks for joining us, guys. And as always, what does the Get Geek crew know what to do? Stay geeky, my friend. Yeah!